Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week, the five D's of DIY investing. Michael, I, sh- I would say welcome to uh, in World Investor Week, but we're filming this week ahead. So I hope you enjoyed your World Investor Week last week. Did you have a good World Investor Week? I mean, I was, I was investing in the world, so it was great. Yeah, By, while at home, having picnics outside with one friend at a time. Yeah, I was investing in the world from my house. Great. So World Investor Week is really just about, um, I guess, raising awareness, talking about investing. Part of this podcast is the idea that we don't talk about money. It's a bit of a taboo subject. So the FMA came out with a bit of a, a five Ds of DIY investing. And the idea, Mike, that um, investing in FOMO, take a mo is kind of a theme. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people can relate to, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you'll be, you know, um, we saw that with GameStop, with a lot of the cryptocurrencies. It's, it's, it's that fear of missing out on what everyone else is getting rich off and getting rich quickly. And that can be a real driver for people, you know, throwing all their cash and all their savings into something that is ultimately not going to do too well. Yeah, there's always winners and losers. Someone's um, always left holding the bag. And I think that's the thing that people forget about mean stocks and game stocks is, yeah, on the way up, it's great, but someone's always left holding the bag on the way down. Yeah. Um, well, you'll be happy to know, Mike, Statman is back, baby. <laughs> Lay it so on I've, me. Got, I've got two stats to kick us off, Mike. The first one is 31% of all DIY investors, so sharesies, hatch, um, any of those kind of platforms hmm. have jumped on inside of their first investment in the last two years. Yeah. So you've got a third more people um, in the market that weren't here in 2019, which is, which is a great thing, but also there's risks associated, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, um, it's all about how you, when you are using these platforms, the amount you're investing, how you're investing, what you're sort of investing in, what knowledge you have around that. Because, you know, it's real easy to, uh, to take advice from big stock 601 on Reddit, um, who's just made $5 million. Um, but who is that person? And why are they telling you to do this? And why should you trust them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the second stat from Statman is that 27%, so about a quarter of investors, said they invested based on a recommendation from someone else without doing their own research. Yeah, catch me on Reddit, big stock, 601. (laughs) So so if we think about we've got a third of people going and investing for the first time quite recently, Mm -hmm. and a quarter of all investors listening to their mate, which is actually quite a Kiwi thing. The amount of people I've have not gone ahead with it, my advice, Mike, and listen to Bob at the barbecue instead is a little bit, little bit scary. So the FMA, which for those who don't know what the FM, who the FMA is, they're the Financial Markets Authority. They're our regulator. They're the ones that keep Mike and I in check. And they're also doing a really good job recently around uh, information out to the market, trying to educate more. So we'll jump into the five Ds of DIY investing. So you can think about your own investment strategy as we 
as, as you're kind of going through the investor week that has just been. So D number one, due diligence. Do your own due diligence. This means probably that quarter who have just gone ahead with an investment. It is very easy, Mike, to just press invest on a platform yeah. without really thinking about it. Going with your gut, not thinking about um, who is running these companies. Why is it? Why is the price dropped? Why is the price increased? Making sure you're actually doing a bit of research before pressing the invest button. Yeah, and this due diligence is pretty paramount when you're investing in anything, not just stocks or shares or using DIY trade platforms. But if we look at that specifically for the DIY share platforms, James, what does due diligence actually mean? I can tell you what it's like for a house. I can tell you about sale and purchase agreements and limb reports and building inspections and RVs, but I can't get an RV for a house, for a stock. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. <laughs> so I would be... I think if you're thinking about how do I do due diligence on a stock, I would say, firstly, hold up cowboy. And we've spoken about this in the past. What kind of investor do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who's trying to pick direct stocks? Or do you want to be the kind of investor who is investing into funds, which I've alluded is a really good starting point for those that aren't um, sure what they're doing and are wanting to learn. So off the bat, I would say, if you don't have the time or the experience, um, funds, exchange-traded funds, wherein you're investing 50, 100, 500 companies at once is a much better place to start. If you are still wanting to pick individual stocks, you need to be doing your research on who is running the company, the financial performance of the company, um, uh, where, what kind of their strategy is going forward, who their competitors are, it, you really need to be going down the rabbit hole and becoming quite informed. Now, that might change depending on how much you're investing, obviously. But my point is you should not be picking direct stocks unless you are investing the time. And as we've spoken about in the past, only 4% of traders are actually doing a decent job. So I would say the real um, due diligence piece is really alluding to stick towards funds. Yeah, cool. Okay, so the second D of the, uh, the the five Ds is drip feed your investments. So, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about dollar cost averaging before, James, and it's something that sounds great. And until you explained it, I had no idea what you were talking about. So you might want to run us through this one. Yeah, so the idea of getting rich slowly, that you're not going to find, you know, I mean, highly unlikely you'll find a GameStop, be the person who invested in Bitcoin and 2008 or anything like that you're going to a diversified portfolio with regular contributions over time you will slowly seek the benefits of compounding interest a reminder compounding interest is making returns on returns on returns and over time that will the returns will end up a bigger portion than the the original contributions but starting early some people think, oh, I'll invest when I have a big amount to invest. Little bits add up over time. But is there a downside to that with transaction costs to putting that in the, uh, in the investment? Or, you know, I think if I think about the investment strategy of someone looking at something like a GameStop or something, wouldn't, wouldn't you be better to go all in at once? Well, the great thing about a lot of these platforms is the trading costs are quite low now. So the barrier to entry is, is, is pretty minimal. So if you've got uh, 
50 bucks or $100 a fortnight to, to put in, that's, that's a great way to contribute ongoing. Yeah. And that's exactly what your KiwiSaver is doing. 3% of your salary each fortnight is going into your KiwiSaver, growing your balance over time. Yeah. And um, I guess the other thing to look at is a lot of these platforms um, have really cheap transaction costs and can almost trade for free because they're selling your order flow back to the market. Um, so just be wary of that if you are using someone that seems sort of super cheap or too, too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and one, of, one of these pieces that is probably not one of the Ds, but is a H, is hold. Hopefully you are having a buy and hold strategy. You're not somebody who is trying to trying to trade because that's when transaction costs can really start to hurt. Yeah, cool. So what's the next one, James? Diversify your portfolio. So Rubbish advice. So if you have a concentrated strategy and really believe in something you're investing in, you might get huge returns, but you might also go to zero if that company goes bust. You should have diversification across different asset classes. So um, Australasian shares, international shares, small cap, large cap companies, property, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You should have diversification across countries and diversification across industries within countries as well. This is paramount because if you look at the stats, it is impossible to pick the winners and losers each year. It is like a scatter graph in terms of which ones are performing in terms of the asset class industries and countries. Diversification uh, reduces some of your risk and also makes for a smoother ride over the long term, despite the volatility naturally in the share market. Yeah, that's almost becomes um, when we when we talked about the first D, which is doing your 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 due diligence. If you are picking a well diversified strategy, that time versus you know uh, how much you're putting, it almost becomes prohibited um, because you know. If you think about the amount of due diligence you want to do on, on these companies, if you are putting significant amounts of money into them, to have a well-diversified strategy, you may as well be a fund manager at this point uh, it's, or a research analyst. It, it starts to become quite prohibitive. So we're not saying don't do these things, but you really need to be cognizant of how much time, how much money you're investing and what you want out of it. What is the return? Because, you know, it is unlikely, although, although we are saying do really detailed due diligence on each one and have a really diversified strategy of international this, that, and the other. It's unlikely that people are actually going to commit enough time uh, to this to actually put in the amount of work required. So just be cognizant of that when you're making these investments. Yeah, you got to think about how you want to spend your time, how much you want to invest in these strategies. Yeah. Um, the next tip is, I'm looking at all these, I'm like, which one's the D? It must be down for this one. Don't freak out if markets go down. We go the don't or the down, one or the other. So this is all about investing, especially over the last few years. And if you look at the property market, very similar as well. Very easy to forget that investments don't have a linear fa fashion in one direction where you make 10% a year. Maybe there's a couple of bobbles, but hey, I'm just here to make money and get rich. Mm. That's not how investing works. If you look at the um, like a the S and P five hundred over the last thirty years with the quarterly performance, it is like a freaking uh, heartbeat graph where it's bumping up and down, and there's no real chemistry or logic towards whether the next period will be up or down. It is a wild ride, and you need to be invested for a long enough period of time to get the benefits. But 
the S&P 500 over a 30-year period is very consistent. So we know that the return over 30 years is going to be somewhere between like 8 and 12%, depending on the, the time period. So markets will drop. And if you have a lot of money, yeah, a high percentage of your portfolio in shares, it will be um, an even more volatile ride. What I tell my clients is markets kind of work in seven-year cycles. So there's three really good years where you're loving the share market, you know, uh, you're rocking the sunglasses, you've, you've, you've got those 30-cent dividend checks coming in the mail, you're feeling good. There's three kind of boring years where you go, oh, this is like, okay, but maybe it's a point where interest rates are a bit higher and you go, term deposits are doing okay. And then there'll be one bad year every five to seven years. It's not if that will happen, I promise you, it will happen. There will be a GFC, a COVID, a 9-11, a tech bubble burst, a depression, one of these things are going to happen. So if you're 30, you are going to experience probably a dozen of these over the rest of your life. It'll always feel like the world's ending. Yeah. The world will always recover. If you have a diversified strategy, your portfolio will always recover. Um, but it can be scary in the moment. And that is where people lose money is when markets are down. Yeah, and that's, I guess that's one of the, uh, the things that we see in the stats. And it's, it's really easy when you're doing these investments to be like, no, I'm going to hold the lines. You know, I'm, I'm just buying hold, going to set and forget. You've got an app on your phone that you're going to check every day almost. And it's really easy when things go down to pull out and think, oh, no, I've done something wrong here. What you're actually doing is crystallizing that loss. Um, and it means that all of a sudden your loss on paper becomes a loss in dollars. Um, so what you want to do is just, you know, take a really long-term view, have an investment horizon that you want to stick to. And so long as you haven't done... 10,000 to one leverage on a Forex transaction, um, you should be able to hold uh, for, for a reasonable length of time. Yeah, so my, uh, just before we jump into the last one, just one more point I want to jump on there as well is I talk to a whole range of professions, lawyers, doctors, plumbers, teachers, and it's crazy how often when markets become volatile, uh, people go, hey, I'll just wait out a bit. I'll drip in my money over a period of time. The risk of that kind of strategy of holding out or pulling out and coming back in is the way the markets work is there's kind of usually about eight days a year where all of the returns are made. You mm. do not know where those eight days where there'll be the big, the big bounce and it'll be on the news. But if you miss those eight days, you might as well not be invested for the whole year. The returns are pretty much null and void. So that's why time in the market, not timing the market is key. Absolutely. So our last D for today, if in doubt, talk to a financial advisor. James, why should someone give you a call about this? So it, it really depends on your, on your situation, but a, a financial advisor is like a, a financial coach, right? So mm. they, will, they will help you work out where to invest. A lot of what I do is providing support and making sure people don't make dumb decisions. Yeah. Um, people try and do too much. You know, have clients wanting to move KiwiSaver funds, buy gold, um, do different things with their portfolio. It's about sticking to the plan, understand what you're trying to work towards and how the investments, um, how the investments link towards your goals. And if you're paying an advisor $500, $1,000, whatever the price is, to help you uh, have peace of mind that you're on track to achieve your goals and maximize your financial decision, in my very biased opinion, that's worth <laughs> its weight in gold. Absolutely. Great. So we're going to wrap it up there. 
That's our five Ds to DIY investing. Make sure if you haven't done already, please subscribe on YouTube, like this video, give us a review on our podcast. If you've got a question, send it through. It makes my day and we'll see you next week. Cheers.